Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me, every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Brutus Zepetis is the author of You, the Story, a Writer's Guide to Craft Through Memory, guest hosted by Julie Chavez, author of Everyone But Myself, which comes out in January of 2024 from Zibby Books, and the host of Ask a Librarian, the podcast. Ruta Cepetis was actually on this podcast already, and I had the pleasure of interviewing her already, so Julie took it this time. Ruta is an internationally acclaimed number one New York Times bestselling author of historical fiction published in over 60 countries and 40 languages. Cepetis is considered a crossover novelist, as her books are read by both students and adults worldwide. Winner of the Carnegie Medal, Ruta is renowned for giving voice to underrepresented history and those who experienced it. Her books have won or been shortlisted for over 40 book prizes, and they're included on over 30 state reading lists and are currently in development for film and television. Wow. Ruta is the daughter of a Lithuanian refugee. Born in Michigan, she was raised in a family of artists, readers, and music lovers. Ruta is passionate about the power of history and story to foster global dialogue and connectivity. She has been invited to present at NATO, European Parliament, the U.S. Capitol, the Library of Congress, and embassies worldwide. She was awarded the Rockefeller Foundation's prestigious Bellagio Fellowship for her studies on human resilience. The New York Times Book Review declared Ruta Cepetis acts as champion of the interstitial people so often ignored, whole populations lost in the cracks of history. 
As if that wasn't enough, Ruta was bestowed the Cross of the Knight of the Order by the President of Lithuania for contributions to education and memory preservation, and was recently honored with a postage stamp containing her image. This is definitely the first author I've had on this podcast whose face was on a stamp. I need to put that down somewhere. Anyway, she is extremely proud to be of Baltic heritage, even if that means she has a name no one can pronounce. Ruta lives with her family in the hills of Tennessee. Ruda, I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled. I'm I was I was telling you right before we started recording, I was familiar with you before I got the opportunity to interview for Zibby's podcast. And so I'm just so happy that we get to talk about you and your craft and this book, You the Story, a writer's guide to craft through memory. Oh, I'm so excited. Let's dig in. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I want to start by saying I'm happy to be talking to you because I've been having you talk at me all week because I've been listening to the audiobook. And I have to start there. I really, I mean, this will be a popular opinion. I want everyone to get the audiobook and the print book of this book because listening to you was such an incredible experience. And you just really pick up on your passion and your love. And there's such grace in the way you talk in this book, but then also in your speech. I mean, I felt as an adult writer, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so good for me to literally hear in my ears that I don't have to strive for perfection, that there's work involved in this craft. I mean, all these things. So I feel like this book is clearly geared a little bit younger in general, but I got just as much from it. And I think so much of it was listening to you, but then I needed the print book because then I would go and tag the print book to go back to. So you've created all that to say, you have created a beautiful, valuable resource. So congratulations. I'm so, I can't wait to put it in the hands of all the young writers I know, but really any writer. Oh, that's so generous of you. And I mean, the audio, when when my publisher came to me and said, you know, we think we'd like you to narrate the audio book, my first response was no. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> well, because there's no hiding. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm encouraging writers in this book, as I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, to to reflect on some memories. And it was one thing to write the book, but as I was narrating it, I could hear where I was laughing and the director just kept waving me on like, we're going to keep it. You're going to keep me laughing. And you can hear kind of when I'm breaking up a little bit and when I'm emotional. So it was kind of a vulnerable experience to do the audio. I could understand that. I mean, and especially because you have so many stories interwoven in this book and really a lot of personal narrative that you've included that's extremely powerful and I think speaks to the value of the book, but I could see how that would be. Those are some really tender things. And to write about it is one thing, and that is its own emotional experience. But then to read that back to yourself, I can see how that would have been bringing out additional layers for you. Definitely. It it did, but also it was very powerful because Mm -hmm. it made me reflect on the work I do with my novels. To create my historical novels, I interview 50 to 100 people and and they share their experiences with me. So it really gave me, I don't know, a bit of a taste of, of what I'm asking these survivors and true witnesses to do. So I think it was kind of instructive as well for me. 
that makes sense. A little almost humility, not in the sense of being humbled, but just that approach of, oh, just a reminder of how we carry memory and and how we share that. So exactly. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I'm really, well, I'm very glad that uh, they convinced you to record it because I think you were the best one to do it without a doubt as I was listening. So I really, I really thought it was well done. I want to start by just kind of going through a few of the things that stood out to me. Well, first of all, let's start here since this is a craft book. Why did you want to write this? What at this point in your career felt like, okay, this is the next thing I want to do? Because I am such a believer that sharing our stories facilitates human understanding. I have seen it with the novels that I have written, where, you know, together with the the witnesses and the survivors, we're taking underrepresented history. Mm -hmm. And when people read the book and learn of it, they think, oh my gosh, why did I not know this? And maybe they have a better sense of, of someone they know in their community who is Lithuanian, Romanian, Spanish, fill in the blank of of one of my books. And people often ask how I do what I do and how I infuse a vivid depth of feeling into the fiction. That depth of feeling, when for a writer, that comes from our own experience, right? If we're writing about being heartbroken or hopeful, what we're doing is reflecting on how we felt and then infusing that into the fiction. So really, my goal is to assure everybody that they can do what I'm doing. And even if they're not a storyteller, they still have a story. And I think every adult wishes that we had better archived our family story, our parents' story, our mm. grandparents' story. Yes, that is so true. That's what I think people should know is that this really isn't only a book for writers. It really is a book for everyone because... To your point, it's so true. I mean, we're connected by story and we do want to keep those. So that's a beautiful sentiment and neat to hear you talk about the ways that not only your books, but now this are bringing that out. Yeah, we all have this amazing compost of experiences. And sometimes it's just a matter of helping people recognize story. Some Mm -hmm. people, you know, don't even realize that a day is a story and a year is a story. And so to give them tools and framework to identify story in their life. Yes, it was. And it's so well done. Like I said, I mean, you have, so you have the chapter and then you have a recap, which is great for, you know, anyone who has a short-term memory situation like Dory and myself. And then you have the writing exercises and questions to answer. So it really is not only instructive, but reflective. And so I really like the way that you structured it. And also I love the different sections that you chose, like perspective, some of the other ones. I was really stuck on perspective for a while because I wanted to reread it. Dialogue, research, plot, character development. And also I have to say you do a really good job of, I think it was in the plot chapter, I might be wrong, but the main point here is that I was so impressed that when you were talking about where to begin and you said, that depends on you. I mean, you gave such, this whole book is full of, like you said, you're asking people to think about how they can best and how they would like to express things. It's just so freeing for those of us that are always wanting a system to say, you can trust your intuition and 
Your story leads you to how it needs to be told. And you just did such a good job. I love it. Thank you. And I want it to be accessible because, you know, you brought up perspective. And I do think that, you know, the stories we tell about ourselves that actually frames our identity construction, doesn't it? I mean, if, if, if someone asks us, if a book was written about your life, what would the title be? Right. And would Mm -hmm. it be fiction? Would it be nonfiction? And so I wanted to write something accessible. People often tell me, I don't know where to start. It's like, there are lots of places to, to start. And the rules are, there are no rules. (laughs) It's so true. You really do a good job of capturing that in this, but then turning it around to where it's not only is there no place to start, that's not an overwhelming fact. It's a freeing fact because it allows you to step into whatever you need to do next. I have a question for you related. I think the reason I got hung up on perspective and I listened to it and then I went back and read sections of it. I mean, I was, I was in deep. I really wanted to talk to you about regret because I loved when you were talking about, think about a mistake. Now go back and think of it as not a mistake. Now, are you a person who just personally, how do you have regrets? Do you think about things that way? Do you always try and reframe? I was just curious about that when I read that. Oh, I definitely, I definitely have regrets. I also am someone who kind of beats myself up about something when I think, oh, I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, that was, I wish I wouldn't have done that or I did that the wrong way or, but I always, and I focus on this in the book about, you know, failure, the concept, what is a failure? And so for me, with a regret, I'm always trying to, as you said, reframe it. Mm. And so, okay, is failure and regret, is it a forest of exploration, you know, something we can learn from and learn within, or is it just a suck hole of soul death? (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to, I don't want to get caught in the suck hole of soul death. So, so I look at it and I say, wait a minute, because oftentimes mistakes I've made and I have made a lot of them. I mean, I talk in the book about working in the music industry and all these fiascos and But when I go back to them, oftentimes after something that I found, oh, regrettable, or I thought was a mistake, there's something good that came from that, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to focus on. And that's what I want, you know, people to focus on as well. That's where we learn. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm a definite, let me rethink my mistakes. You know, my favorite is in the middle of the night, but really I can do it anytime I'm available for it all throughout the day. I know that's me too. Waking up in the middle of the night, laying there in the dark, thinking, yeah. "Oh my god!" And that's when I realize I things that? too. Oh, I will yeah. wake up in the middle of the night and realize, "Oh my goodness, why did I say this?" <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Your poor brain, right? Yeah. Our poor brains—they're just so busy and I know silly. I have a question for you. So you have—I mean, you are a person who really has a rich writing career. I would say, like you've written many books. They've been very popular. I think they've also meant a lot to many people, which is the most, I think, beautiful thing that a writing career can do is to have books that are precious to people and yours absolutely are. Is there anything in your career that you would have, that you wish you would have done earlier or that you wish you'd waited to do? 
Oh, that's a, so wow, that's such a great question. Yes. Prior to becoming a novelist, I spent over 20 years working in the music business, mm-hmm. working with songwriters and rock bands and recording artists, helping them distill story into song. And I wish that I would have had the courage because I always wanted to be a writer. From the time I was in third grade, I wrote my first book, The Adventures of Betsy. And, and I didn't have that creative courage. I was helping other people, you know, discover mm. their courage and express their stories. But it took me too long, I think, or a bit longer than it should. But I mean, who's sure. to say? But, right. to, but to really find my own. And then something I wished I would have waited on. Mm-hmm. So then when I did find courage to come back to writing, I had written this humorous middle grade mystery And I'm part of a writing group that I met through a a writer's organization, SCBWI, and we've been together nearly 20 years now. And my writer's group told me when I had a first draft of this book, yeah, it's good, but it, it needs some work. I spent good money to send bad pages to an editor at a conference. And let's just say it did not go well. And so I think I was so excited I have a draft. I have a draft. I've got a book. Mm -hmm. And now I know how important revision is. So finding, finding that creative courage a little sooner and waiting a little longer to send out those first pages. (laughs) I think there's a lot of wisdom there. I don't think anyone can really appreciate the power of revision though, until you've gone through it the first few times, right? Until you see what it actually does to the work, it can just feel like more work to the same end, as opposed to we're actually moving this needle forward. Well, yes. And for me, actually, that pause after that bad, you know, negative critique with with an editor at a conference, I did revise and the manuscript was actually requested by a publisher. And mind you, this was in a different genre. This was a middle grade mystery. And so I contacted an agent and I said, oh, I'm seeking representation because the book I've written has been requested by a publisher. And the, the agent said, sure, send it. And at the last minute, I decided to also include five pages of this historical novel that I had been working on. And the agent contacted me and he said, this middle grade mystery, I can see why the publisher is requesting it. And he said, but these lonely five pages, your authentic voice Mm. is in, it's, it's, it's in these pages, Ruta, you want to write historical fiction. Why aren't you doing that? And oh my goodness, this agent, I respect it. And so that pause of, wait a minute, I'm not going to just send the book to the publisher right away. I mean, it. my authentic voice is in historical fiction. And I learned I was writing humor because I was trying to distract, you know, people away from some heartfelt messages, things that I felt. It was easier to cope with them through humor than mm. really going at them straight on through historical fiction. Interesting. I loved that story in the book. I just thought, oh man, I always find myself going back to stories where you know, a small adjustment or a small choice brings a totally new track. Mm -hmm. And then also the people that appear in our lives that say something at the right moment that just changes everything. I love hearing about that. Me too. But also, you know, we have to be open to it. You know, I I discussed in the book that when I was younger, feedback really the way i i interpreted feedback sometimes was based on as i said 
just a few moments ago, like my own identity construction. Mm. I don't want to give away a story in the book. People can read it, but I had the opportunity to have lunch with this major music mogul. And he gave me some feedback that really dented me, that Mm. really hurt me only later to realize, you know, that I had misinterpreted that feedback and something, I thought it was criticism, but it was actually, you know, constructive input. So also I think the time that we're at and how we're interpreting feedback and what these stories are that we tell about ourselves, they're, they're all contributing factors. Yes. I got to do a writing coaching session with Camille Pagan a little while back, and she asked the question, what are you making that mean? And it's so true where if someone gives you feedback and then I'm using that to create some story in my head about how, you know, I'm garbage at X, Y, Z, then suddenly I have now made that mean something that it didn't mean. So I think approaching it with a sense of neutrality and true openness, you're exactly right. As opposed to defense. Yes, exactly. And I want Mm -hmm. people who are listening to think about things maybe input that they've gotten or comments or feedback. And what did they make that mean in the words of your, you know, writing? Yeah. You know, what did, what do we make things mean? I don't know. I think it's a valuable exercise. It is in all parts of life. And I do know, I definitely like to make things mean way more when my husband gives me feedback, because I think it makes life so much more interesting, right? (laughs) When I really take it to a 10. Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. Other people, I can be totally reasonable, but him, no, pass. We're not, it's not happening. It's the same with me, with my siblings. If it's my siblings, the scale just, you know, jumps up. Yep. (laughs) How dare you say that to me? Okay. So here's a question. I know we talked about perspective because it really stayed with me. What was your favorite section to write in the book? Oh, my favorite section to write in the book. Oh gosh. I mean, well, a, a section that really surprised me mm. um, to write, because, you know, I wrote down, oh, I'm going to have a section on plot and I'm going to have one on voice, the elusive voice and dialogue and character development. It was the dialogue section that that really surprised me because, you know, there are conversations we remember. There are conversations we wish we could forget. And there are conversations we never got to have. Mm. And as I went into writing that dialogue section, I had an idea of what I was going to write about. And then that changed. And I was reflecting on some interesting conversations that led me to realize that sometimes when we revisit, you know, some of those, those old conversations, they can bring new meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and I did that and reflected on some conversations that I had with my father and that was probably the most, you know, emotional section for me to read in the, in the book. But I, I, that was a section that surprised me. And the part that I loved writing the most was probably when I'm talking about character development, as an example, I give to illustrate, I, I share some stories about my own teenage self when at 13, I decided that I wanted to live in a poop cocoon. And I'm not going to give it away for readers. This is, I mean, talk about turning yourself inside out for the sake of this You really did. Yes. So that was my favorite part. Why was it? Because at the time that I was going through it, my teenage self, it was so dramatic for me, Mm. what I was describing. But now with a buffer of time and a different altitude, I was actually laughing at some of these 
experiences. And that made me realize that it was not only maybe a deeply lived experience, but a healed experience. And that's what writing can do for us. Sometimes, you know, we have these realizations as we're writing. And so, you know, that was probably my favorite part, describing my nutty teenage self. (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. (laughs) You had so many great stories about your teenage self. It just made me think back to my own, but a willingness to revisit those because I know I'm someone that never kept a journal because I'm too, well, this, I should use a growth mindset here, something I'm working on, you know, not yet, but basically this idea that I have a hard time looking back because I tend to overanalyze mistakes or because I really zone in on the wrong things. So it was like, I didn't want to make a record of my own stupidity and then write it in, you know, a form that I could look at later, but a willingness to revisit that you're right. It can become a healed experience because you see it with a different filter now. I mean, we're adults and it's, you have so much more grace and wisdom to revisit that. So what a wonderful thing, as opposed to thinking, I'm looking back to judge this. It's I'm looking back to explore it, to mine it, to see what's there. Exactly. And I kept telling myself, you know, okay, don't write to condemn, 
right to comprehend. Mm, and that's yes. what was happening as I was writing through some of these things and and I was laughing. And again, I, I just want to reassure everybody that you all have, like I say, this compost of experiences to draw from. And it's how you reflect upon it and describe it that makes it interesting. Not necessarily that you had to travel to some far flung, flung place or or experience, you know, something really, you know, miraculous. No. The way you feel is miraculous and the way you, you mm-hmm. describe it, that can be miraculous too. Yes. I really like how you talked about familiarity working against us in that way, where it takes the shine off of things and we forget the the wonderful things and the miraculous things and all of these extraordinary things that happen in our lives. So I think familiarity kind of being an enemy was really something that stood out to me. Thank you. I agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) I liked the Ann Patchett quote that you included. Why is it that we understand playing the cello will require work, but we attribute writing to the magic of inspiration? I mean, Ann is just, she's just brilliant, first of all. But that quote really stuck with me because often when I do events, people will ask questions that imply that there is, you know, really the muse is more of a contributor than than a work ethic. Well, they'll say, well, do you light a candle or do you, you know, what is your, you know, the process? Oh, and of course, I do all the cliche things. You know, I I write at a cabin in the woods and I light candles and I drink tea. I do all of those things. But honestly, that's not where the mojo is. The mojo is in the motivation and and just showing up every day and saying, this is tough and I'm going to do it and I'm going to mm-hmm. write and I'm going to rewrite and So yeah, I I think it's interesting. And I wanted to include that because so many people do ask questions that imply that they think it's more muse and less hard work. And that's not the case. No. Do you ever find yourself falling into that trap? Or is that something that doesn't happen for you anymore now that you are farther along in your process? Well, what I found is something that I imagine that people who might be any sort of athlete or or artist or you don't feel like maybe showing up or you don't feel like going for the run or you don't feel like practicing you don't feel and then you do it and you show up and you begin and man you can have a great day and it's mm. like oh wow so that motivation leads to inspiration and what i find is that if i show up and i start to do the work the muse arrives and then i you know my heart breaks open and the world breaks open. And I think, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is so fun. And I'm having a great time. And so, yeah, I, I definitely you know, subscribe to, to that. I know now what's possible. And that's why with my books, even history provides kind of a framework or a scaffolding, but I, I don't outline too tightly because I love that creative process. Mm. And when the muse does show up and say, Hey, what if you did this? And I think, oh my gosh, I love that idea. So yeah, that's really neat to hear. Now, what do you think? So you're starting to talk about this book with people and I would guess that you have some younger people that you're talking with about it and older, but what, what's your, I mean, it's so hard to distill it. Obviously the main takeaway is you need this book and you should buy it, but also like, (laughs) what is... I mean, what do you tell a kid or a young person or a person who's just starting out writing? If you're trying to distill it down, what's what's the one thing you would start with, I guess? 
I would love for them to know that writing well is less about what you've achieved or how you were educated or these interesting places you've traveled to. Writing well is about our emotions and our feelings and how we express them. Mm. And that if, if you have felt deeply, you have lived deeply and you're a creative you know, person of, of courage and you have the tools to be a writer. Any deep feeling person has the tools to be a writer. So I, that's the main takeaway and the point. I want them to know that every, everyone has a story and, you know, neuro, neuroscience has proved that we are all creative. So these stories we tell ourselves of, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not creative. And there are lots of ways to tell a story. Maybe they don't want to write a novel. Maybe they want to write a screenplay, a graphic novel. Maybe they want to do some sort of mixed media project. Maybe, you know, they want to choreograph a dance, you know, however they're going to express that story. Mm. I really like that because I'm hearing you talk about the joy that's found in creation, where you are a creator. And so how do you... How do you bring to the world what only you can bring? And I'm a big believer in not only how do, do I bring to the world, who can I collaborate with, right? Ooh, because yeah. when, when we combine energies, really magic things can happen. And I saw that in the music business. When a songwriter would come with an idea and work with another writer or the the band had an idea and they went in the studio and the producer was like, hey, what if we add this here? When energies are combined, amazing things can happen. So also think about who could you collaborate with on mm. this project? And for young writers, I also would love them to think about, you know, the concept of mentorship. And when I say mentorship, I know people always think, oh, wait a minute, that means that someone more established is working with someone, you know, who's just starting out. No. What about reverse mentorship. I work with this concept all the time. Young people have skills and talents that I don't have. Mm. Whether that's expressing a story through a video for Instagram or, you know, how can you collaborate with people and tell stories in new and different ways? So, you know, when you think about writing, let's also not just consider it a solitary endeavor, but maybe a team sport. I love that idea. Yes, I am on the hunt for a co-author. Ever since I figured out that was a thing, I was like, this, I want in on this. It's, I mean, it just seems like you get to do so many things all at once and, and just multiplying the joy, doing it with someone else. Like, I love the idea that it could be a team sport. Oh, I'm doing that right now. I am writing my first co-authored book. Uh, I normally write historical fiction. I am right? collaborating with the master of historical nonfiction, Steve Schenken, who is, you know, three-time National Book Award nominee. I mean, he's won every prize, right? And so we are getting together and the, the draft is done. And I have to say, it was absolutely a blast. And the world oh. was so much less lonely. When I was, you know, trying to find these obscure things for research, and I would mention to him, I'm on the hunt. And he'd say, wait, I have that. And vice versa. And then I would say, wait, Steve, I have this. And we got to research together and travel. And and so, yeah, I'm a big believer in collaboration. What fun. <laughs> What's one thing that people assume or you think that people might assume about you based on your books or based on your writing career that is incorrect? Ah, first, I think people might assume because of the detail and the research involved, and also some of the heavy 
historical topics that yeah. I that I write about that I am perhaps a dark and somber person. And that's that's not it at all. Or some people think, wow, you must really be dark to be attracted to these heavy and sad historical topics. But it's actually just the opposite. Through researching and writing these books about difficult events, oh my goodness, no, it actually makes me more hopeful because mm. amidst the darkness, I find evidence of human beings forging everlasting bonds through adversity. And I find evidence of the miraculous nature of the human spirit. And that's that juxtaposition in play, right? That if we love and loss, hope and hardship, strength and struggle. And so where people feel like, oh, you must be really, you know, kind of dark and, and kind of a downer <laughs> of, a, of a person. And now granted, you know, I probably am going to be that person at the party who's like, oh, well, would you like to talk about communism in 1939? And they'll say, no, Ruta, I don't want to hear anything about that. But but I'm not a, a dark person. I, mm. I find so much inspiration in stories of the human spirit. Interesting. Okay, so that's a good nod for anybody who wants to invite you to a party. Maybe you'll get more <laughs> invitations after this. Well, actually, <laughs> after people read you the story, uh, this writing book, they're saying, oh, wow, you know, I want to hear more about this plane crash, or I want to hear more about, you know, when you worked in prison, or, you know, these different, yes. these different stories. So yeah, hopefully I'll get more party invitations. <laughs> there you go. Has that been strange for you to step out from behind... The fiction a little bit. Totally. It's not only strange, but like I say, it's been an exercise, a good exercise in vulnerability to be, to step out and, and say, okay, you know, so I'm going to, I want to teach you about, you know, voice or perspective or character development. And here's an example or, you know, or backstory. And here's an example. Mm -hmm. And I, before each book is published, I know every author is different, but for me, I do go through this sort of sense of fear thinking, oh my goodness, what if I didn't get it right? Or what if I haven't captured this history correctly? But with this book, it was entirely different because I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> I am sharing these stories about, yeah. and, 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 and granted, as I mentioned in the book, I use my stories. My siblings are my best friends, but I don't. I didn't tell their stories. They have their own stories to tell, right? Right. These are my perspectives. And, and you know, we have to be careful because I know some people are interested in writing about experiences, but they're worried, uh, what if I hurt someone? And, and remember, that's a, a good cautionary tale that we're all the villain in someone's story, right? Mm. In the scheme, in the scheme of, of life. So we need to be sensitive. And the other thing also to reflect on is we're talking so much about memories and reflecting. And there are some memories that are not worth returning to yes. ever. And so protect your head and your heart always. And as I was going through this exercise, there were some things that I thought, oh, could I write about that? No, <laughs> no, I don't even want to think about that. Done. Right. And, I, and I don't. And, and you move on. <laughs> yes. But having the self-awareness and the health to ask yourself those questions, what feels good? What feels off limits? What feels like I can revisit it and find some light where it was dark and then what doors stay closed. I think there's a lot of wisdom there, definitely for people that are looking to go back into those memories. Yeah, I think so. Well, I feel like we should finish up with just talking about your mom because listening to you 
say her little voicemail snippets in the book, I could not stop laughing because my mom does the same thing and I do the same thing occasionally to my children. Like I'll say something like, wow, thanks for the downer, mom. Like it just, but the way you said it, hi, love, it's me. Yeah, bye-bye. I mean, by the end, it was amazing. I was just waiting for them. So that was really perfect. Well, and I wanted to illustrate for listeners and readers this concept of rhythm in character development. Yes. People that we know, they have certain rhythms. Think of your old teachers or your neighbors or friends or relatives. And when you imitate them, what we're imitating is the rhythm. And my mom, oh, she was a rhythmic character, all right. And <laughs> and I use that. In, but do you know that as much as I could say, wow, man, how much I really, really miss my mom. And And, oh, it could be difficult to write about that. Do you know that hearing now, people gravitate to those sections in the book saying, your mother, she reminds me of my mother. Yes, It's made the world less lonely for me. Whereas it could have been an exercise, you know, in that maybe was sad or or full of grief, but actually it's become just the opposite. So thank you so much for, for mentioning that. I am so glad we got to talk about it because it's a joy to hear and to remember. And that's how those people live on with us, right? right? And, so now and to I relate know. to, and to relate yes, to. And you yes. said, you know what? I do that myself. Yep. Oh, 100%. I Well, and my mom always says it, it gives her great joy. But what she says to me is mirror, mirror on the wall. I am my mother after all. Right. And so that happens to me quite often. To me too. What are you yep. going to do? <laughs> well, Ruda, this was a joy and I am so very happy that you provided this book because as a person who works with young people and talks about writing with them, I mean, this is just going to be such a valuable tool and I can't wait to put it in their hands. So thank you for taking the time and thank you for taking the pieces of yourself that you had to explore and set aside to make this come into being because it's just going to be a gift to so many. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And I really hope that people do consider, you know, this question, you know, if a story was written about your life, what would the title be? Think Mm. about that. Just take a moment and and think about that. That's a good first step. That is a good first step. I will try not to think about that in the middle of the night. Exactly. (laughs) It'll be perfect. Well, thanks for the time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.